0: Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you so much for the knowledge, for the promise that you desire to reside in each and every one of our hearts. We thank you for the reminder in that song that that you don't knock once and walk away, but time after time, you are waiting for us. What a patient and wonderful God you are and we thank you for that. Speak to our hearts now, I pray in your name, amen. As I was sitting there and on the Sabbath, I was thinking several Dawn stories are running through my head. I was thinking about the first time that I actually remember Dawn. I was here, I had just been hired and I was out here to preach for the first time back in November, and I came into the office. I spent about a week and a half here, and I came into the office, and there was this guy that was sitting there in a T-shirt, like a Harley shirt or something, and and blue jeans, and he was just sitting there in the chair, and he wasn't saying anything. And I walked in, and I said hello. He kind of smiled at me, said hello, and, and I went into the office, and I started to do some work, started to get some things ready for the sabbath i think i was working on my sermon and um i came back out a little bit later and and this guy was up kind of mingling around in the office and i thought you know what's this guy still doing here he hasn't left yet and i i kind of looked at him and i smiled and and uh and he smiled and i looked at carol you know is she okay what's what's this who is this weirdo that's here And I went back into my office, and I began to think about it, and I called. I said, hey, Carol, can you uh, come in here for a minute? And she comes into the office, and I said, shut my door. She shuts the door, and I said, do you need me to get rid of that guy? (laughs) And she chuckled, and she said, no, that's my helper, Don. Um. Keep Carol in prayer, she's having a very hard time with this, because literally Dawn was here all the time. I'm glad she told me not to get rid of him, because what a blessing, what a blessing he was. And eventually he did talk to me, and then just smile and nod. He began to tell me some of his weird jokes, Um, his unique sense of humor. What a blessing, what a blessing truly he was. And as I was sitting there also, I was thinking about this pulpit. Because Don sat in a few meetings with me in which people expressed their great disgust at me not using the pulpit. This pulpit particularly, I mean. And, and Don didn't give himself much credit. He said he wasn't good at talking or whatever. But he would sit there and he would say, I understand what you're saying. But I think this could be really good. You know, I don't know that he really believed that. But he told those people that, and I thought, what a good, good little politician! He's already showing loyalty. I'm, I'm impressed with this, this guy with this Sturgis shirt on, and and uh, he assured me he had not been to Sturgis; just someone gave it to him as a gift. Some of you don't have any idea what Sturgis is, so that just went right over your head. Don't worry about it. <laughs> um, and. Uh, and I showed them once this, this nice little nasty note that I received. Um, I say nice only to make whoever wrote it feel better. Uh, but it is from Anonymous. I didn't know who they were. Um, but uh, they were very upset with me because I kept moving the microphone over to there. So they wrote me a very um, note about my pride and my arrogance and needing to have the mic out of the way. And, and I mentioned it to Don and, uh, you know, Don, from that point forward, made sure every week that he was the one moving the mic. I mean, what a, what a guy he is. Um, and on that note, I won't have him to show my anonymous notes to anymore, so maybe you could just start signing your names to him so we could uh, deal with him. Uh, last week we heard uh, a very powerful testimony uh, from Pastor Marilyn about an amazing miracle, a man who was in a wheelchair and, and had been healed, Dr. Kinley Hall from Andrews University, had no expectation of walking again, the doctors didn't know what was going on, and and then uh, a miracle, a true miracle happened, and, and and he's walking now, he's walking around the campus of Andrews University, and It was a powerful story, a powerful testimony. And then this week, right there in the south porch, uh, we prayed for our own miracle and begged God for a miracle. And dawn still passed away. Some of you have mentioned to me the contrast of the two ideas in the two weeks. Marilyn and I, as we sat in the hospital before the doctors came in and gave us the news, she said, oh, she was mad at herself. My timing stinks. I said, you've got no idea. This has nothing to do with with your timing. How do we reconcile this? Should we think? Should we think? that our prayers were not as sincere as the lady that prayed for, for Dr. Hall. No, I know that the people that prayed were praying with deep and earnest sincerity. We could not believe that unless we also believe that, that all of us have better prayers and greater faith than David himself, who didn't David himself pray and fast and plead with God to save his newborn child and yet, King David lost his son too. Should we think that God did not love Don as much as he loved Dr. Hall? Does God somehow love one person more than he loves another? No, we, we shouldn't think that unless we believe that God loved Dr. Hall more than he loved the Apostle Paul because did not the Apostle Paul pray Earnestly, three times for God to remove this burden from his life. And yet that burden was never removed. And as far as we know, he lived with that burden for the rest of his life. Should we think that, that even the idea that, that miracles only happen when we pray... Well, the woman at Zarephath, her prayer wasn't for a miracle. Her prayer was, let my son and I die in peace with one more meal in our bellies. And yet God still showed up and did a miracle in that situation. It is very important for us to hear testimonies like the testimony that the Pastor Marilyn shared in regards to Dr. Hall last Sabbath to remind us that in this very dark world, miracles still do happen. They are not just moments lost in the history of scripture, but, but there are still miracles that happen in the here and now. But I think we must be careful to never misplace our hope and put our hope in the idea of a miracle or in the hands of a miracle. We must not place our, our hope and our faith on the idea that, that miracles do or or don't happen. Because earthly miracles, while, while faith-building, if we place our, our hope in these kinds of miracles, we will ultimately be disappointed. Because here's the truth, folk. Here's the truth. Every miracle that is performed in this world, in this moment, in a physical nature, is in a very real sense, a temporal thing. Let me illustrate it like this. Many of you know the story from from John chapter 11 of Jesus and his good buddy Lazarus, his good friend Lazarus. And we love this story. Jesus comes late, Lazarus is dead. The sister said, Jesus, if you had only been here, he would not have died. They have a theological discussion about when Lazarus will be raised up. They have this, this discussion about this. And Mary shows up and also chastises Jesus. And, and, and then after the discussion and after Jesus weeps, Lazarus is raised from the dead. He's raised up and there's, there's joy in the community and there's, there's joy in this family and there's, there's joy over, over their brother being brought back to life Now the danger would be is if Lazarus's sisters or Lazarus's family or Lazarus's friends or or the people who heard this story if they had put their their faith in that miracle that would be the dangerous thing if their faith was built upon the miracle rather than the miracle maker. If their hope was, was placed in, in the idea that, that somehow these miracles happen rather than the one who gives the miracle, that would be the dangerous thing. Because as, as far as we know, while Lazarus was raised from the dead in that moment, as far as we know, the Bible doesn't tell us, but I think it is safe to say, safe to assume that eventually Lazarus once again got sick. I believe it's safe to assume that Lazarus' body again began to at some point in his life break down. I think it's safe to assume that that Lazarus probably still had family that prayed for him when he was, was sick once again. And I believe it's safe to assume that Lazarus died again, and this time no one raised him from the dead. Every miracle on this earth is truly temporal. That's why our hope is not placed in the idea of a miracle. We need to hear those testimonies because we need to know that there's there's still working and there's still power. But we should build our hope on the miracle maker, not just the miracle. I think it's safe to assume that if Jesus does not come, Dr. Hall will one day have his body give out. Dr. Hall will one day again find his body deteriorating. Dr. Hall will one day again have family surrounding him praying that he gets better. And Dr. Hall will one day, if Jesus does not come, have everything fail. He will not only not walk, but he will sleep in Jesus. This time, if Jesus doesn't come, there will be no miracle. Why a miracle earlier, not a miracle later? Is God saying that he doesn't care about old people? Any old people in this room? Or not old people, wizened people? Any of you in this room? Should we think that only the miracles are for the young, but, you know, all the old die. God must not care about the the old people. We hear stories like last week to to build our faith, but not faith in the miracle, but and not, not faith in our own power to control the situation, and not faith in our, our own formula to, to bring about the miracles, but, but, but to give us hope. But not hope in the miracle, but hope in the miracle maker. Who yes, there's sometimes temporal miracles, but, but the ultimate goal of our savior is the eternal miracle. The eternal restoration of, of every body every mind, every soul. Could it be that we don't understand and we should just admit it as believers, that we don't understand, and I can't think of a better word for it, but we don't understand the science of miracles. We don't understand why Kinley Hall got up was able to get up out of his wheelchair and walk. And why, once dawn collapsed, he never got up to walk again. Can we admit that as believers, that we don't understand this? And that it's frustrating that we don't understand this? And that's okay. Can we accept that there's a curtain that is closed to us, like the curtain that was closed to Job? Job in chapter 42, Job in chapter 40 and 41 and 42 is, is questioning God. He's saying, God, how could you let this happen? God, how is this? Why is this happening this way? Why is all this going on? Why did this happen to me? Why is, are things being restored now? And in Job chapter 42 and verse 7, God then addresses Job and says, Now gird up your loins like a man, and I will ask you, and you instruct me, will you really annul my judgment? Will you condemn me that you may be justified? Or do you have an arm like God? And can you thunder with a voice like his? And then God goes on to say, were you there when I put the waters in place? Were you there when the mountains were formed? Were you there when I shaped humanity? Were you there when I, when I formed what was in the depths of the sea? God is basically telling Job, you don't understand What you are talking about, you can't see what is going on. And folks, to us, with every miracle, we should not claim to know the full formula. Because we do not know. The curtain is closed to us. And with every lack of miracle, we should never presume that it's because this person's prayers weren't strong enough or because this person didn't have enough faith. Because we don't know what was going on. In the beginning of the book of Job, we see the curtain pulled back on that scene. And we see that that what was behind Job's suffering was ultimately the devil attacking him. God didn't take Don Mahler's life, the devil did. God is not the author of death, Satan is. And we should never give credit to God for the evil in this world. God doesn't tell Job about this though, and we can't know why some people receive temporal miracles and others don't. But we don't place our trust in in temporal miracles of this world. We place our trust, our hope, in the miracle maker. The one who makes the one miracle that is available to all of us. And that is that when this world ends, we can have all the privilege of being restored to God's glory and God's image. You know, Don lived out his hope before all of us. Don lived out his hope of this idea before all of us. His wife tragically died 12 years ago from a horrific disease. It was almost as if she was literally burning from the inside. She was in John Hopkins burn unit for 43 days. She suffered, and Don pleaded with God for her to be healed. And she still passed away at the age of 51. Just shy of 30 years of marriage. And as Mark said, I think Mark's children's story is as much for all of us as it is for the children today. But we can choose in our sadness to be negative, or we can choose in our sadness to continue to live with hope and allow that hope to do something good through us. And that is what Dawn did. I saw a video, and you're going to, if you come to the memorial service on On Thursday, you will probably see the video as well, and we'll probably post it online at some point after that. But I saw a video this week where Don basically says that that when his wife passed away, he chose to spend the rest of his days busy serving God. Why? Why? Because his hope was not based on whether or not there was a miracle. His trust was not based on whether or not there was a miracle. His hope and his trust was in the miracle maker that ultimately will restore his wife and ultimately will restore him as well. He lived out his hope before us all. He didn't talk about it. He lived it. He lived it by serving Jesus, through serving us. Serving Jesus through serving us. That was Don's statement of hope. He lived to serve, and by doing this, he showed us what true hope in Jesus looks like. You cannot serve in that sacrificial manner unless you have hope in a higher power. He saw service as simply doing what Jesus had done for him, he said, you go through things and you don't think you will get through. These are words from Don. You don't think you will get through. But Jesus is there and he will get you through. He was served by Jesus in his, most, in his darkest hour and therefore he chose to serve you on behalf of Jesus. Don once said, "If you can smile and be helpful to other people, that's what Jesus did." You know, that's a pretty good theological statement. Dr. Mueller it may not be a long enough paper for Biblical Research Institute, but it's a pretty good theological statement. If you can smile and be helpful to other people, that's what Jesus did. That was the basic formula of Don's life. He wasn't a theologian. He wasn't a man of great profundity. He was a man that liked motorcycles and Roy Rogers, the restaurant, not the drink. He was a man who had been devastated by the death of his wife 12 years ago, a man who didn't get his temporal miracle but his hope, his faith, his trust wasn't based on the miracle of his wife being healed. His hope, his faith, and his trust was in the miracle maker, the one who he believed would ultimately restore his wife to him. And so Don made the decision to fill up the rest of his days showing each of us what it means to have hope and faith in Jesus Christ through the service of his life. Jesus once said in the book of Mark, chapter 10, and verse 43. In order to be the greatest, whoever wants to become great must first become a servant of all. I don't think Don had any aspirations of being great. When I asked him to be head deacon, I don't know how to call people. I said, That's all right, brother. You're the leader of all of us, you set the tone for everybody. I don't believe that Don had any aspirations of being great, but because of the way he served, he was truly, without hyperbole, folks, when people die, sometimes we get into hyperbole, but he was truly one of the greatest amongst us. Truly. Paul wrote to the church in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 1, be imitators of me just as I imitate Christ. I believe as a pastor I can safely say, it can safely be said, let us as a church family imitate Don because Don imitated Christ. With a smile on his face, joy in his heart, an odd joke coming out of his mouth, Sleeping on the couches late at night while all of you were having your meetings, so that he could make sure that this building was locked up. Loving each and every one of you truly. I think it's safe to say that we can imitate Don as he imitated Christ and let our lives be impacted and let us be better because we had the privilege for years and for some of us just months, we had the privilege of witnessing a man that truly had hope in Jesus. And through his hope and his life of service, he changed our lives as well. Let us pray. Jesus, I pray That as we mourn, that as Mark said, we will mourn and it will result in good. Just as Don mourned his wife and he made a decision to continue to put his hope in you, Jesus. And all of us were blessed. Blessed. May we be a people that though we mourn the loss of our dear friend, it spurs us on to have more hope in you, Jesus. It spurs us on to be imitators of dawn as He was an imitator of Christ. Lord, comfort us under your wings. Keep us, I pray. and may we have hope in you, Jesus, until the day we are reunited with dawn. And most important, until we can behold you face to face. In your name we pray, amen.